0: Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Dural Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello there. Folks, we have a lot to discuss. Let's waste no more time, shall we? com is the place you want to go to join in the conversation on social media. It has links to our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Everything you need, ODPH. So join in and use the hashtag ODPH because we want to talk with you. We have a lot to discuss. Mm-hmm. A lot this week. Yep. Kicking off the biggest story in entertainment, though, has to be the second Joker trailer. Mm-hmm. And the press coming out of the film festivals, Yep, the early reviews are coming in glowing, glowing. I don't think a comic book character has had this much buzz around it in mm-hmm. a movie since Logan. Yeah. Because people are talking Oscar performance from Joaquin Phoenix and this is just really generating a ton of buzz because at first when we heard about this movie, didn't really know what to expect.
1: Right, because as it came out, they're like, all right, they're doing a Joker movie. Uh, okay, under interesting. You know, Who's going to play it? Is it going to be Jared Leto? No, it's not going to be Jared Leto. It's going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, nothing against Joaquin Phoenix, but it's not the guy we just saw as Joker a couple years ago in Suicide Squad. So how are we going to do this? Oh, well, it's, it's going to be without Batman wait a minute, anyone who knows Joker's history knows Batman is very integral to Joker's origin story and kind of how he becomes what he becomes. And then there there were some stories out about script rewrites and this and that. And, and then you get, like you said, the, the screenings they did at a film festival over the weekend. And you have people talking Oscar buzz, much in the same vein they did for Logan, but not just because of how good Joaquin Phoenix is in the movie, but just how, you know, redefining it is for a comic book movie.
0: Absolutely. When we first heard about this, like I said, a lot of speculation, because obviously the DC film universe has been messy, messy, to put it lightly. Mm -hmm. However, it's been on the rebound, though. Wonder Woman was a fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. Shazam, Aquaman, they've been coming around. So obviously, if they're trying to do the whole shared universe, they're showing signs that they're stepping in the right direction. But when we heard about this Joker movie, we were like where is this going to fit in right
1: and especially when they announced oh Todd Phillips is going to be the director which you know if the name doesn't sound familiar you go to his IMDB page of course you go to anybody's IMDB page it gives you four things that they're best known for uh, he's best for known for being a producer on due date which was the Zach Galifianakis Robert Downey Jr. film about the guy whose wife was in labor and he was across the country
0: mm-hmm. uh, old school yes one, one of the best movies and then
1: he was a producer on uh, the hangover and hangover part three so like the man is known for for comedies and you got him coming in doing a serious r-rated joker movie
0: right which obviously dealing with the character and without question you have to say he's batman's greatest foe yeah you have to say it yeah. one, one of the most iconic villains in comic book dare i say pop culture history yeah he's up there he has to be in the conversation if not number one to deal with the subject matter that entitles him and what you want to try presenting with a story hmm This is a tough challenge.
1: Right, because it's not like some of Batman's others where you've got Two-Face who it's, okay, it's split personalities, and then, you know, the other villains and their other things they have going on. Joker is on just such this other level where it's like it's multiple things rolled into one, and he just doesn't give a you-know-what.
0: Right, he's just pure insanity walking. Yeah. And he's a force of nature that you can't figure out, can't control. He is who he is, and it's just complete insanity.
1: Right, and I mean, I know it's a different movie and a different actor, but you think back to The Dark Knight where Heath Ledger's Joker lit a giant stack of money on fire and laughed. Okay, yeah, that's in The Dark Knight, it's a different actor, different movie. I can very easily see The Joker doing that in the comics.
0: Oh, absolutely. The Joker is just based on whatever mood he wakes up in that day. Yeah. And obviously, in the comics side of things, they are going to start delving into it. I know there's there's the Three Jokers yeah. Black Label book that's coming out at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't have the latest information on that. But dealing with the Joker, obviously, historic character. Yeah. From when Jack Nicholson brought him to life in Batman 89.
1: I mean, even Cesar Romero way back when in the Adam West TV series. Exactly. And Mark Hamill on the animated yeah. series.
0: Yeah. To where you had Heath Ledger really define the role. Mm-hmm. And really, I want to say, raise the stock in it, so to speak, or modernize it at, for the yeah. time period. Because at that point, the Joker had always been kind of the fun, campy, over-the-top character.
1: Right, the guy that, like, he walks on screen, be it a movie or television show, and you go, oh, this is going to be good. What's he going to do now? You know, what kind of funny antics is he going to get into now? Whereas Heath Ledger played him, he walked on screen, and the hair stood up on the back of your neck because, oh, God, what is he going to do now?
0: So disturbing, and everything that he brought to that character and Mm -hmm. just brought the pure just descent into madness to the screen and just how well he did it. Mm Mm-hmm phenomenal job i mean obviously it was a uh, oscar worthy performance and he did win obviously after his passing so now we've gone through the jared leto version which had very mixed reviews yeah so when joaquin phoenix was attached to the role we're kind of saying okay what is he going to bring to this role and i've heard that he's dropped 52 pounds i believe for this role
1: i'd heard something like that which makes sense because there's it's been in a couple of the like short TV spots and in the trailers where there's that shot of him in, like, an apartment or a bathroom, so I think it's like a bathroom apartment or something, where he doesn't have a shirt on, and he's, like, contorting or stretching his arms, like, oh, I'm stiff, stretching his arms, and you look at the rib cage specifically, that, I realize I'm no nutritionist, I'm no doctor, I have no medical training, that does not look like a healthy person.
0: No, definitely not, and where he's going with it, I know the method acting that he's using for this is really... On the trailers that we've seen, it just really demonstrates how he's showing the breakdown of the man, mm-hmm. and not glamorizing it by any means. No, but just really showing uh, tones of Alan Moore's "The Killing Joke." Yeah, I mean, because you,
1: you get from the trailers that like everyone in life goes through their rough spots, where like you things are at their absolute worst. But you know, there's always that upswing; things will always get better. You know, things will improve. From the trailers, it looks like this man just continually keeps getting kicked down. And the instant he thinks about picking himself back up and standing back up, you know, somebody comes along and kicks him down a little further.
0: Right. So, as we are going to go into the second trailer breakdown, because the Mm -hmm. second trailer came out right after the reviews started breaking out. Yeah. And we heard about it with, I believe, the Venice Film Festival eight minute standing ovation. Yeah. Which is insane. Wild. Yeah. It's wild. Wild. But as we saw the second trailer, there's a little more information that came out. Mm -hmm. So. If you haven't seen the trailer, we are going to start talking spoilers about it in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? My skin is crawling.
1: Like, genuinely, like, there's just something about this film that it, it it descends what Joker is and what I'm used to seeing him as that, you know, it feels like we are going to watch a man's, you know, however long this film ends up being, you know, if it's like two hours and change, you know, like however long it ends up being just slow descent into madness because you know there's the shot of him smiling and, and and we get a shot in this trailer of he's riding on a bus and there's a little boy looking back at him and he tries making the boy laugh and he does you know he does the thing where he, he has one expression on his face he covers his face and he pops back out and it's smiling and he makes the kid laugh and you know and, and just you see it descend further and further it like he's just trying to make his way in the world and, and achieve his dreams but every corner he just kicked kicked down
0: Yeah, as they open with the trailer, he's on a bus, and he's trying to make a little boy laugh. And the mother just turns around at one point and says, would you stop talking to my son?
1: Or, like, stop harassing my son. And and you're sitting there going, how is he harassing the kid? He's making him laugh.
0: Right. And as it progresses further, Joaquin Phoenix has developed a very unique Joker laugh. Yeah. Which is... Very creepy. Very, very creepy. Yeah. To say the least. So they show a quick shot of him just laughing and then just putting his, like, normal face back on, which Mm -hmm. is so weird to see the flip of the switch like that, right
1: and and for what we can tell in the trailer he's already getting some form of like something's already gone on and he's already getting some form of help because he's seeing a therapist and he you know he's sitting there smoking a cigarette and and he's talking with a therapist and he goes he's essentially going what good are you doing like i come here every week and you ask the same questions how's your job are you having any depressing thoughts and we see the shot again of him working on a street out on a street for a business that looks like t- p- he's uh, going out of business because he has a sign that says everything must go, and and the people come up and smack it out of his hands and then hit him a, a back of the head with it in an alley.
0: Yeah, we see the the psychiatrist who we believe is at Arkham at, yeah. this, at this stage or the Arkham State Hospital, I think it is, says in the trailer. I don't mm-hmm. think they fully say Arkham Asylum. It says this is the last time we're meeting. And uh, Joker's reaction is just very calm and very like, what have you even done? You haven't done right. nothing for me. Right. And then they go to show – Robert De Niro's character Who is playing a late night talk show host type
1: Uh, Yeah, whose name is Murray Franklin According to
0: IMDB Right, is on the TV And it looks like Arthur Fleck Who does Joaquin Phoenix's character's name Yep is in a hospital with I want to say it's his mother.
1: It's somebody close to him because it's it's like like you said it's a hospital scene. They are you know they have a breathing mask over them. They are not awake and he's sitting there watching the TV. And this looks very much in the same vein of like you know your are Jimmy Fallon's, you're Jimmy Kimmel's, you know you're Stephen Colbert, where it's like a late night talk show that was taped earlier in the day because he's taught You know Robert De Niro's talking and then Arthur Fleck comes on screen and he stands up all in, all eager and excited like oh I'm getting my big moment.
0: Yes, and what happens? De Niro buries him
1: oh yeah because he he starts out like we don't know where this is this could be cut up from like his entire like I get the feeling just with how the tone of this movie is shaping up that this isn't the first joke he's telling that this is maybe some point, maybe a, a few jokes in and that like it's just falling flat on its face like a lead balloon. Mm-hmm. And and he says, oh, you know, people always tell me I'd never be a comedian. But, you know, here I am sitting up here making, you know, I forget what the exact line is, but
0: I'm sitting up here. I'm making people laugh. And De Niro goes, well, you haven't started yet. Yeah. He, like he just buries him. Yeah. and You just see the reaction just flex. The air lets out of the balloon, so to speak. Uh huh. And at that moment, you can start t- seeing that everything is now built up. He finally thought he has big break and now it just goes out the window and basically everything bad that could happen to him is happening. Yeah. And then they kind of flash forward to the infamous subway scene mm-hmm. where you see there is like a riot on that bus. Yeah. That we don't know the details of what's causing it. No. The only thing we can guess at is because throughout the trailer, it does look like that there is an event held by Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. that we have got confirmation that Thomas Wayne is in this film.
1: Yeah. According to IMDb, uh, Thomas Wayne is in this film, and he's being played by a gentleman named
0: Brett Cullen. Right. So at this stage, you're seeing there are character, or people wearing Joker masks. Then mm-hmm. we don't know the details why. We don't know what exactly has inspired them to be no. wearing that. But we see that at this stage on the subway, Fleck is in his Joker face paint and suit. Yep. So we have to imagine that this is set later in the film, mm-hmm. very much later. And as we're seeing throughout the film, and then I touched upon it just a little bit, that he's having issues with Thomas Wayne. Yeah. That he's on the TV, and I don't really know the story behind it yet. No. Obviously, we don't. It's just been kind of little things that you've seen that Thomas Wayne is being portrayed as the antagonist, at least through Joaquin Phoenix's eyes. hmm So that being said, they do fast forward a little bit in the film and you see Thomas Wayne saying what's so funny when Fleck is standing in front of him. Right. And Thomas Wayne actually punches him. Yeah. So
1: we don't know what's causing that. Right. And there's also the scene, uh, a shot before it where, you know, it's kind of some quick shots. And there's a scene where Joaquin Phoenix is sitting there painting his face with a... Decent-sized paintbrush, not a huge one. And he's painting his face white, and he takes a bit of the paintbrush, and he licks on the paintbrush in his mouth with paint on it, which I remember when I was a kid, mom always told me, don't eat paint.
0: Yeah, don't eat paint chips. So you can just obviously see at this stage the full descent is happening Mm -hmm. into madness, and where he kind of steps up, and he's almost having that, like, I almost want to say it's like a singing in the rain moment.
1: Yeah, no, it's a full. It's a. It might be a callback to singing in the rain because he's going down a set of steps and the and the light poles look very much like if you go look up that clip from singing in the rain like that. And he's dancing and he kicks a little bit of water out of a puddle into the air and he's happy as can be.
0: Yeah, it's just like all of a sudden he's like fully transformed into Joker. Mm-hmm. And now is just the world is at his fingertips. Yep. So as they kind of flash forward to, they do show him in a comedy club.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a comedy club uh, with the woman there. Um, Actress by the name of Zizi Beats, I think is how you pronounce it. Yes. Playing a character named Sophie Dumond, who uh, we see in a clip earlier in the, or a brief second, earlier in the trailer, where she's holding a package or something, and she talks to him, and and I think they end up making out or something.
0: Yeah, which we know her as Domino from the Deadpool movies, and she was on Atlanta as well, so she's a great actress, too. Uh Mm-hmm. So, as you see, they're kind of having a romance of some sort, we think, is going on. Yep. That she's his only supporter. That yeah. We can tell. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's at a comedy club, which, I mean, if anything's... If we're to go based off of the clip from the late-night TV show, his jokes aren't all that funny. No. And, and he's telling... He's at this comedy club trying to make his way in the world, and, and she smiles or laughs or something, and he looks, he goes, oh, she cares.
0: Yeah. So, as they kind of fast-forward to, he's seeing faces on, uh, dare I say, it's like bulletins and, yeah. and flyers of the clown face, and he's kind of imitating it. And he's also seen people wearing the masks in the city.
1: Right, and if there's an interesting shot, if you go to the, uh, you find it on YouTube about a minute and a half in, where it looks like it's almost uh, the front page of a newspaper, almost like a New York Post, New York Daily News type thing. And you can't read the top of it, but it is a very creepy, I almost want to call it like it. Yeah, from the it movies looking uh, clown. And it says latest on the murders, page two, hmm, which given who's in this movie, hmm, I wonder what murders they could be talking
0: about. Right. Because at this stage, like I say, a lot is up in the air of what is really going on. Right. And the only thing we know is that you're seeing characters in the movie wearing the Joker mask and he's smiling like he is the cause of this. Like when I first saw this. I kind of had like this was like the inspiration of, like Mr. Robot has, mm-hmm. you know, like on certain groups or even Fight Club. that yeah. that, that yeah. was the kind of vibe I got from this, and I'm going, okay, I'm not sure how he's causing this, right? But he's definitely doing something because they keep flashing back to an event where you're seeing people in Joker masks fighting with police, right?
1: And I mean, there's a there's a shot outside of like an art museum or some type of museum, and on the front of it, you can see it says Wayne Hall, which hey, another connection. And there's two banners on the front of it. Uh, one, the left side says Charlie Chaplin, and then on On the other banner on the right, it says modern times, but there there, there are police in on horseback, you know, riding behind this crowd that all have all got signs. I mean, there's one poster facing backwards that is of a very creepy looking Joker and people are not happy and trying to break through the barricade with whatever the heck is going like Gotham is in full blown descent into madness, I think, at this point, because. Sorry, Charlie Chaplin to me ain't exactly a riot-worthy event. You know, for those of you who may not know who he is, he was one of the most one of if not the most famous uh, silent film actors of his time. You may know the face, you may not just you may not know the name. But like you know, somebody tries hopping a uh, barricade in this thing, and the police shoves him back, and the and the person pulls the police back over, and they start beating him up.
0: Yeah. So at this stage, the Joker's plan, so to speak, is in full effect, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of weird to see that it's happening. But as you can see throughout the trailer, though, they keep flashing back to his time when he's in Arkham. And he's finally having a breakdown. Yeah. And you can see when he's finally putting his, dare I say, game face on mm-hmm. that he's just watching his work happen. He's just so calm and smoking because, and, I mean, at this time, it's, it's set in the you know early 80s, late 70s time period. I'd
1: say late 70s just based off there's a shot in the trunks. Uh, t-boning a police car and just, just looking how the police car looks. It looks like that mid to late 70s style. It,
0: it could be. Like I said, we don't really have the time period. Otherwise, it just is a prequel mm-hmm. to current time. That's yeah. the only thing we can yeah. really tell you about that. But as we're seeing, the Joker's just demeanor and just watching the city burn, so to speak, and he's just very relaxed throughout. I mean, even when they keep showing the subway scene. Yeah. And I said that one is just the one you hear a lot about. I mean, there's a lot breaking out about the studios mm-hmm. and just you know, stories breaking out about that, which you can go yeah. search as you need to. And then the final scene in the trailer, though, uh-huh. you see Joker backstage on Murray's talk show.
1: Yeah, which I can't imagine how he got back on there. You know, if we presume that his last appearance as Arthur Fleck didn't go so well, why they would introduce the guy again.
0: Right. Unless it's something weird. But as he's sitting there, he's, it was, hey, Murray, do me a favor. Can you call me Joker?
1: Yeah. When, he, when you go, he goes, when you go to introduce me, can you interview me as the Joker? And and De Niro just looks at the guy standing next to him and just goes, "Huh?" Eh?
0: yeah. And then they kind of show the full descent into madness where he's kind of just dancing around. and Mm -hmm. You just see the range he's going through. Yeah, You see the calm demeanor, and then you see just the manic, frantic action that he's taking. He's banging his head into the dumpster. Right. You just really kind of see just the full breakdown and just how one person just descends there. I mean,
1: the city just looks to be an utter anarchy because there's another shot where he's walking away in the, the, you know, I I want to call it an homage to Cesar Romero, you know, the old-style suit you know, with his paint on and he's smoking a cigarette and cops are running the other way with like walkie talkies and batons in hand. Then you get another shot outside of a a movie theater where people are running cop or, you know, towards the camera and cops are running away from the other from the camera. And there's a person holding like a uh, tear gas canister or smoke grenade, something like spewing smoke out of it. And they're in full blown Joker masks. It's just like the city is just at a breaking point.
0: Right. And as the final shot goes, you see him ready to get on stage at Murray's talk show and you hear the music send in the clowns Mm -hmm. and you see him start to do his dance and just overall the packaging of how this trailer is is definitely not a superhero movie no and i want to make sure that point is getting very clarified as a regular movie and just involving script and characters Mm -hmm. this looks phenomenal Mm -hmm. like this makes my skin crawl a little bit of just how you see a one person just break down in the madness and just yeah. the ramifications that one person could have like that. Yeah. But as far as a superhero Batman Joker comic movie, no, this isn't doing anything. for No. Me. And I really want to stress that that this is only in name only to ties to the DCU. Right. That you're not going to see Batman appear. Right. Unless they do like a flash forward sequence no. at the end but I highly doubt that. No,
1: the couple things I've read out of folks who were able to see the film over the weekend at the film festival said that the only, like, this is a rare instance, that the only mention of DC in this film is once you get to the credits and you see the logo. Outside that, there's no mention. Like, you could straight up just bring a person into this film if they had no idea what the heck it was, and they just think it's some crazy movie somebody came up with in their head.
0: Yeah, because I think the only tie-in, like, my unofficial ODPH guess about this is, You know how in The Dark Knight, when Heath Ledger was giving three different stories of how he got those scars? Yes. This is one of those stories. Oh, that could be. That is my only connection it's going to have. Like, not to say that we won't see Joaquin Phoenix play the Joker again. Mm -hmm. I highly doubt it, but I'm not going to say never say never.
1: I would say this uh, right now, maybe not. But if the film does well enough and and the public reception is as good as the critic reception has been, You'll see him again.
0: Oh, I would imagine. So I think if this comes out the gate hot, which I think it will. I think that this will be probably over $100 million open a weekend. Oh, probably. I will say that just unofficially guessing. Just with the buzz going on, because this one is going to have comic fans going because, hey, it's the Joker. Yeah. But this is going to have movie fans going, the ones that really yeah. like the production, the yeah. screens, yeah. the screenwriting, the acting. This is has something for everybody. And this is just definitely not going to be tied into the superhero genre. I mean, that's right. the only thing I can really stress about. Right. Because I got this into a couple different discussions on Twitter about this. For a movie experience, this is going to be a great movie. Oh, it yeah. looks like oh yeah. It. But anything tying into the comics, I'm just suspending all disbelief. Right. Because we all know the Joker's story. Yeah. We all know he falls into the VAT of chemicals at Ace Chemicals. And mm-hmm. then obviously he really descends into madness and yep. it goes from there. Yep. So for to see them do the origin like this. Yeah. Is interesting, and to see how they go with this. Because one thing I'm really interested in to see how they try portraying this, and I hope they don't do this, is that the Joker is the hero. Mm. I really don't want to see that on this movie.
1: I don't think I don't think it'll come off that way because I mean, you know, we know the character. Yeah, we know who he is. Like, there's there's no reason this guy is a hero. I mean, it it's just one of those things.
0: No, because I know there's been comics. I think Brian Azzarello wrote one that. Is just phenomenal. And if you're going to do a Joker movie, it doesn't portray him as a hero. It literally portrays him as the Joker. And you see the world through a henchman's eyes. Right. And it's so well done.
1: I don't see, I don't think this is going to portray him as a hero. I think it's just going to be, you know, if you've ever asked a question about, you know, any franchise, you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, you know, Ghostbusters, take your pick and gone, hmm, I wonder what that character was like you know, when he first started becoming a thing, like not just his origin story, but like the whole build up. you know, the, cl- you know, the classic story trope of, you know, the beginning, the middle of the rise, you know, rising action, falling action. And then the conclusion, I feel like to me, this, that this is what that's going to be like, okay, we know the origin story, but like, we don't know everything about what happened and what led to that moment and the rise and descent into madness. Like, I feel like that's what this is going to be that like, it's going to kind of answer a few questions somebody might have.
0: It might answer some questions, but I really, I can't stress enough though. Like, I would not go in there trying to connect it a lot. Right? To the yeah. DC. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going
1: to go in there looking for like connections to like Batman v Superman and the and Suicide Squad, you're going to be severely
0: disappointed. You're going to be extremely disappointed. Th-
1: this will have, to our knowledge, no connections to those films. That it is just simply. An origin film for the Joker. It's an origin
0: for a version of the Joker, right? That, yeah. Like that's yeah. that's the, that's the way I'm treating this. Yeah. And like I say, I'm going in not thinking this is a Joker movie. I'm just right. going in more dealing with this is a person's journey. Yeah. Albeit into madness. Yeah. But a journey nevertheless. And going
1: be, being real prepared to get real creeped out because that's the thing I kept reading over the weekend from folks who got to see it at the film festival was that like everybody might when you have a film come out and the reviews come out, like some people hit the same points, but this was like the first time that anything I read kind of made this point that there were points where they straight up felt real uncomfortable watching the film that it like, it was just what they were showing and what they were doing on screen was just very uncomfortable to watch.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure anytime you deal with the Joker and let alone they got an R rating for it, Mm -hmm. you're going to really push the envelope. Yeah. No matter what version you're going to tell. I mean, the Joker, let's face it. Pop culture has kind of made him into a weird icon, so yeah, to speak, a little bit. But when you really unleash him in his purest insanity, this is why most of the books coming out on him lately have been under the DC Black Label <laughs> banner because yeah. they're mature readers. Yeah. I mean, if you even think about it, go through most of his comics. I mean, not saying the Silver Age, yeah, but just go into you know the '80s since. I mean, right. I mean, yeah,
1: there was there was like you said, there was a good point in time in in DC comics history where he was an oh shucks. You got me Batman and ran away.
0: Yeah. But now, I mean, you take a look at anywhere ranging from what he did with Jason Todd when Jason Todd was Robin. Whoa, boy. Yeah. When you have a one 800 number to decide the character's fate and what they allowed him to do. (laughs) I mean, it's just I mean, listen,
1: people called the one called the number and pushed the one button because they didn't think it was legit.
0: Right. But either way. It was responsible, and in comics history, changed that way. But
1: right, and for those who don't know the full story, when when they brought Joker back and really started turning him back from the kind of ah shucks Batman character into the serious threat he was, Jason Todd at the time, and can you can ver- verify this was not a very well liked
0: character? No, he came up in the heels of Dick Grayson, and yeah. no matter who you are, you're not going to top you, Dick Grayson. A lot of
1: people weren't a fan of him, and so you know, Joker had captured Jason Todd at one point, and and DC did this wild thing that I don't think they've ever done anyone's ever done since. Uh, they set up a 1-800 number, 1-800 number, where you could call this number and push a button. Either Batman would save him or Batman wouldn't save him. Button like there was one that was one, the other was the you know another button for the other one, and and the fans could vote and decide what would happen. And a lot of people pushed the button for Batman wouldn't save it because they didn't think it was serious. Yeah. That they didn't think oh there's no way they'll ever they'll ever kill him off. Yeah. And and then the issue comes out and lo and behold they did
0: yeah death in the family is one of the most classic Batman stories Mm -hmm. I highly recommend picking up the trade paperback yeah and even so I mean that was the the point I think when Joker really started making the turn like in the 70s he really started turning yeah and they really started kind of digging into it but it was in the 80s is like when they really were like sinking the teeth in and really kind of going, because especially even on the animated series, yeah, if you want to break it down. I mean, they were obviously it was animated, so they weren't going full tilt. Yeah,
1: they, they went as full tilt as they could go without really, you know, challenging the, the powers that be to go. Ah, you might want to dial this back
0: a little bit. Right. Because the demeanor was obviously when it used to be just, you know, clear cut, good guy, clear cut, bad guy. Yeah. And everything just kind of tied up in a nice bow. As time has progressed, the Joker has become more evolved to the this, this society he's in. Mm-hmm. And you've seen writers and creators really push the envelope a lot. Yeah. And I think like one of my favorite Joker stories, actually, is, I mean, The Killing Joke is the best Joker story you're ever going to read, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Alan-, Alan Moore's beautiful, yeah. tragic tale is a must-read for any literature fan, in my opinion. Yeah, And even more recently, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Death of the Family. Ooh which was so, like, creepy and psychological, but yet so well done, too. Like, I, uh-huh. I could literally go on and on and on about it. So overall, though, this movie is capturing the essence of one version of the Joker. Either it's going to be something you're very familiar with and you're really anticipating to see the direction it goes in, or you're going to be downright, downright scared. Yeah. Because the skin will crawl on you. Like, uh-huh. just is has that effect. And how they're going to come across with this so far, it's just been rave reviews. Yeah. So the buzz is going to be there.
1: I mean, IGN gave it a 10 out of 10, which is their first film this year to get a 10 out of 10 rating. And, and I've heard, and I've heard and read similar from other sites
0: that they're just raving. Yeah. And it, the film is deserving the praise. It was a big gamble to take it when it did. Yeah. So you have to really put that in perspective when the movie comes out first week of October is really going to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. And then after that, DC is going to have a huge hit on their hands. I'm fully suspecting this. Oh, yeah. Where this leads to the next d- direction of the DCEU, who knows? I'm treating this as an Elseworld story. Yeah. That this might be one and done. But if so, the lasting imprint is going to have ramifications on the Joker and Batman moving forward for film history to come mm-hmm. but let us know what you think hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH join in the conversation on social media because we want to hear from you what is your thoughts on the latest Joker trailer and are you excited for the movie are you not and why we want to know we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back how does getting paid just for listening to podcasts sound PodCoin literally does that how does this work all you have to do is download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android Once you do that, start listening to your favorite podcasts and start earning PodCoins. You can turn PodCoins in for gift cards to retailers like Starbucks and Amazon or even donate to charity, all for just listening to podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now and use the code ODPHPOD, that's O-D-P-H-P-O-D, to get 300 PodCoins when you sign up. For more info, check out PodCoin.com. PodCoin, get paid for just hitting play. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and there is a show that is returning this week that is near and dear to my heart. Uh-huh. DC Universe's Titans oh. is back for season two. Uh-huh. Now, DC Universe, the streaming service that has everything you could want if you're a DC Comics fan, uh-huh. Titans was the go series out the gate. The first trailer came out was very on the fence about it. I
1: was say, the general internet reaction was, boy,
0: this looks bad. Yeah, and I will admit, it did look awful. When we went down to New York Comic Con, that's when everything was coming out, right around that point Mm -hmm. last year. So we're one year removed. The series came out, and man, was it a pleasant surprise. (laughs) It's kind of one of those, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. You should never have judged the show by its trailer. The show was good, encompassing the Teen Titans, which, if you know DC Comics history, they have... Been a long standing team right underneath the Justice League, just uh-huh. the lineage. And like I, I, we touched upon this a little bit last week on the episode, uh, just how DC has like a family tree almost of yeah. superheroes.
1: Yeah, I so say they really rose to kind of almost semi mainstream prominence back in the 2000s with the popular animated series on Cartoon Network.
0: Yeah, because at one point they were, I believe, one of DC's best books. Right. And they still are. I mean, they have just had a resurgence. They're doing a lot of things in the comics, and especially at that time when they came out, it was when all the sidekicks formed as a team. Right. And it was under, you know, Marvel Wolfman and George Perez when they really took off. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about great storylines, the Judas Contract, one of the best ever, when you yeah. really introduced Deathstroke to the, just how great that character could have been. Or could be, rather, and just the direction they've gone since. I mean, just so much good stuff. So, obviously, when the show was coming out, a lot of expectations were set. hmm Season one was very good. Yeah. Albeit, they did have a couple of hiccup episodes, in my opinion. Which is
1: normal for a TV series. It's normal,
0: but it did what it needed to do. Establish, okay, what the brand is going to be when you see DC Universe live-action shows. Titans was good. Doom Patrol is amazing swamp thing even though it has been canceled i haven't heard anything more if it's getting brought back at some point thus far no thus far no but that has been a quality show young justice animated i mean i know it's a different subject but kind of same characters are involved in here and there yeah excellent too so dc universe has been on a roll lately i know they have one more live action show coming out star girl at some point But now we're going on to the second season.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we get a little description of it, uh, courtesy of the folks at IGN.com. It says, uh, I won't read the first part of this sentence because if you haven't seen season one, it's a mild spoiler. Uh, So Dick reforms the So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. uh, Dick reforms the Titans under his supervision in their new home at Titans Tower, Rachel. Rachel, Gar, and Jason Todd train together to hone their hero abilities and work together as a team. They are joined by Hank Hall and Don Granger aka Hawk and Dove, and Donna Troy aka Wonder Girl. Although these original Titans attempt to transition into a regular life, when old enemies resurface, everyone must come together to take care of unfinished business. And as as this family of old and new Titans, including Connor Kent and Rose Wilson, learn to coexist, the arrival of Deathstroke brings to light the sins of the old Titans which threaten to tear this new titans family apart once more
0: yes this se- second season is going to tie into a lot more of the comic history of the show sure so which i'm really excited for
1: which i mean if we're bringing connor
0: kent into this we're getting clones involved well it's going to v- be a very interesting mix because the original teen titans or i shouldn't say teen titans but i'm so used to saying that yeah the original titans team rather was dick grayson mm-hmm. uh starfire raven yep and beast boy right Cyborg was on Doom Patrol, right. which he fits there. Like I, I cannot stress enough how good Doom Patrol is. And when I first heard that pairing, I was like, wait, he should be on Titans. He shouldn't be on Doom Patrol. It so works over there. Mm-hmm. No issues. And I would like to see him make a cameo on this. But when they did last season's cliffhanger bonus scene, they introduced that Superboy, Connor Kent, and Crypto were going to be involved in yeah. the show. Yeah. which is such a such a nice tie into the past with the present, so to speak. Because yeah. when Teen Titans had their resurgence a few years back, Super Superboy was one of the big members right. on the team. Right. Connor Kent. So now they're going to kind of mix and match members of that group with the classic members. Mm-hmm. And where they're going with this season, we did see the first trailer that. Was released a lot of questions, so we are going to talk spoilers of the show. So mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the trailer yet, we're giving you fair warning. Three, two, one. Pat. Overall, what did you think of the trailer?
1: Uh, a lot going on. Hard to kind of decipher what's going on from this, but I'm excited to see Deathstroke.
0: Yeah, I was too. The suit, though, I I don't know. It looked a little too much like Deadshot for me. Mm.
1: I, I, see, I've been I've been seeing some people say it's the best looking uh, Deathstroke costume we've seen to date, and kind of crapping on the Manu Bennett one, which I mean, understandable,
0: but. Apples and oranges here. But, I mean, it looks okay. It looks okay, like I said, but it just reminded me too much of Death Shot. Yeah. So so far. But then again, I've only seen a couple pictures of it. We'll wait and see when I see the live action. Maybe they've updated since then. Sure. But it opens up, obviously, dealing with the ramifications of season one. Mm -hmm. And I know Pad wants to avoid the spoilers. So let's just say this. The Titans were in a very bad spot. Mm Mm-hmm for season one.
1: And if you've seen the Titan Teen Titans animated series, the first one, not the Teen Titans Go, I haven't seen anything of that, so I don't know if they deal with that person uh, in that series. But if you are familiar with the original Teen Titans animated series, you are very familiar with that character.
0: Yes. And where they kind of left off was very interesting because the last episode of season one, I, I, I did felt it was underwhelming, in my uh-huh. opinion, because they teased Batman. Right. And you didn't see him and how the story played out. It was very interesting, Mm -hmm. um, to say the least. So where they're going to pick up the pieces from here, obviously the Titans will get out of the situation they're in. I'm very curious of how. Well, Um, well, yeah. Because where they were at the end of last season. Because at this point, they were very inexperienced, and they were in way, way, way over their heads. A little bit. So now we're going into Season 2, and they're tying in more... Aspects is of the Teen Titans lineage. Mm -hmm. So as we dive back into the trailer, we see that Robin is, you know, who is not Dick Grayson is still Nightwing or Robin at this point. He's not Nightwing. But I think that transition is happening. This,
1: Uh, you know, it's hard to say because, like, there's the shot in the trailer of the suit kind of like broken into pieces and lying on the ground in front of a burning building. And and it's brought up a couple of times that, like, he's not Robin anymore. So to me, it feels almost like a. Daredevil season one type thing where like he will be doing his thing and he will have some form of costume on to hide his face, but to see, we won't see the full Nightwing costume until some uh, later point in the season.
0: Right. No, I think that full transition is going to happen. I mean, Brendan Thwaites played an amazing Dick Grayson. I was very happy with him. And especially it was kind of his, you know, growing out of Batman's shadow mm-hmm. because the way they portrayed Batman is he was almost like a taskmaster. Like he right. was just very brutal and very you know, non-sympathetic for Rich, for Dick Grayson at this time. So how he's taking this is wherever they come out from, you know, the season one is uh, it's going to be a new beginning. And then they also tie into the next scene that we see on the trailers, Hawk and Dove, who were on last season, Alan Richardson, or Alan Richardson and M- and Kelly, who were great in their roles, is kind of deciding, okay, it seems like they're almost getting ready to join back on the team, mm-hmm. which well, it sounds like half of them want to join back on the team, and the other half is like, eh, I don't know. Well, if you know how they were portrayed in, in Season 1, it was kind of very back and forth. Mm-hmm. Dove has been more of a team player, while Hawk has really been looking at other interests, so so to speak. Right. So and when that is tying into play, it really is kind of throwing a little curveball, like what their intentions are going to be. Because they were featured in a couple episodes, and even their origin episode was right. very well done. I have to, I have to say that. And then the next scene that we see in the trailer is Wonder Girl is back. And I am super, super, super excited. Connor Leslie was an amazing addition last season. And you see her talking with Aqualad, who uh-huh. we're seeing for the first time. And not really knowing on what's going on in the history there. So that's going to be very interesting to see how this kind of matches up. Drew, Drew Van Acker is playing Garth this season. And you see them kind of just kind of having like a, all right, are you with me or not? Right. Like, which I don't know how that plays into the history. I'm not even sure what time period this is supposed to play into because the one thing that we're noticing is a little later in the trailer, there's a scene between Dove and Grayson. Mm-hmm. That Dove is like warning Grayson, you know, you need – there is history with this. You don't know what you're doing because it seems like at this point Dick Grayson has kind of decided that he's going to mentor this team right and really take over and what i can only assume is the building they're in is the titan's tower could be i i think it has to be i think at this point you, you have to do that
1: so they're definitely taking a vibe out of the young justice i want to say it was season two don't quote me on that but it was young justice season two we're like season one he was robin like he was running around in the robin costume and the robin mask and the whole nine but then i, I can't remember if it was season two or three i forget which but it was one of the later seasons uh he transitioned into like to my, at least to my recollection, with no explanation or anything. He just transitioned into Nightwing, and while he was still around, he was more in a mentoring role.
0: Yeah, so at this stage, it would make sense to do that. Albeit, though, they have so many new characters involved that you really kind of have to watch what, what's going on. And they also show, I mean, Raven is obviously dealing with what happened in season one, is still in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And going forward, you do see that Jason Todd is lingering around the team. Right. Which is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because, I mean, I do like the addition of Jason Todd on here. Uh-huh. Because it's so different than how the character is in the comics. I mean, Curtin Walters plays this character who is – it's almost like you flip both characters. Right. right. Because at one point, he's like, the Titans are back, bitches, and to a TV crew. And it's like, okay, wait, Jason Todd would never say this in his right, in his right mind. So, when you see that character happening, but he's still having those violent outbursts that he has that you know from the early days when he was Robin. I mean, obviously, right. before the Joker 900 or 800 number. So, at this stage, you're really kind of seeing that Dick is stepping up to be the mentor of this team. And you can see the pushback, which is really interesting to see that now he's in that mentor role that originally was Batman for him. Right. How is he going to deal with this? And then, lo and behold, had. Mm-hmm. they are introducing said batman this year mm-hmm. and who is playing batman ian glenn uh,
1: best known as uh jorah mormont from game of thrones
0: how you feeling about that
1: uh i'm not gonna lie looks a little old like i'm not talking like alfred pennyworth old but like and not certainly you know on the younger end but like looks a little old for me
0: i am perfectly fine with this no and this is the reason i'm saying Dick Grayson at this stage doesn't look like a teenager. Right. In my opinion. Yeah. So he does look aged. Yeah. And the fact that Bruce Wayne is aged in this, is it. I really don't struggle with this because I don't think that they're going to obviously have him jumping in a suit and, and being coming involved. I think that he's going to be playing the mentor role and just kind of off in the distance. Right. I mean, if he wanted to, I'm sure it would make a lot of sense, too, because wherever they're trying to timestamp everything mm-hmm. in this series, it does make sense. Because when we do see Deathstroke appear. Right. Deathstroke does look older. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that at all. No. I mean, Isai Morales, who's playing Deathstroke this will, this year, you see him, he's aged in this at the point because he sees that infamous Robin commercial or news segment. Yeah. And dare I say, you see him aged with a beard, and all of a sudden, like the light bulb comes on, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And what do you think is transpiring in his head? Uh, nothing good. That that that's for sure. No, because at this point, you're getting the sense that everybody is kind of tiptoeing around the fact that Deathstroke had something to do with the original dissolvement of the team. Probably. And obviously, if you know the character of Deathstroke and the history he has in the comic books, like I said, I can't stress enough. Go back and read the classic New Teen Titans stuff that he's in you know that that history with the Titans is going to come up and be a major focal point of this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm perfectly fine with this. Like, I know Manu Bennett did a great job on Arrow. Yeah. And I, if they had brought him on back on the show, I'm completely okay with this. But I mean, I'm pretty sure he was down to do it, just
1: they decided not to.
0: Yeah, they didn't uh, opt to go get him. And you know what? That's fine. Like... Um, if they want to keep the universe separate a bit that's yeah. fine.
1: I mean it, it also it makes sense you know obviously they could have aged him up because hey technology is that crazy these days that you can do that very easily cough cough look at Stanley in and Avengers Endgame uh, but you know for whatever reason they decided to go that way and hey, I'll give the guy a shake.
0: Yeah so at this stage I mean Morales is going to have a different interpretation and the only thing that you know is it, it was tiptoed around by Wonder Girl and that you know there's history with the team and if you're restarting it you know that Deathstroke is going to come find you.
1: Well, I mean, the general feeling I get with this is like you you brought up the whole tiptoeing around thing. And I I definitely get that vibe off of them because it feels like anyone who was connected with the original team knows what happened and is very understanding of what happened. But none of them, you know, it's almost like, you know, you got to tell somebody bad news, but nobody wants to be the person to tell that person bad news. So it's all kind of like, oh, are you going to tell them? No. Are you going to tell them? No. Are you going to tell them?
0: Yeah. So at this stage, that's kind of the tome they're going to go with this season. So Mm -hmm. obviously, I'm really hoping that they're done with what they were doing in season one because I think now they'll be on a clear-cut path. Right. And especially with the characters they've added because, like we said, we did say that Superboy was introduced, Mm -hmm. which I'm very excited to see. We're getting clones involved. We're going to get clones involved, so it's going to get a little weird. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to be what it's going to be. So I can't really argue too much with that. Yeah. But once you have Superboy involved, obviously you know the name Luthor is going to become more tagged. I'll we'll say he's not far behind. He's He can't be that far behind. Let's we'll say I, when
1: you lose an asset like a clone of Superman, yeah, you're not going to exactly sit on a beach sipping on uh, drinks.
0: Yeah, Joshua Orpin is playing Connor Kent this season. So whoever they decide to get for Luthor, I could imagine they'll be the Season 3 villain. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine they're going to renew for Season 3 if if they're planning this far ahead. Yeah. But when they do, he will be the major villain, I would imagine. That's Probably. Gonna, that's going to be really interesting to do because I can't really remember a time where Luthor had been the major antagonist for the Titans. Right. In comics. I mean, I could be wrong. Please correct me on I would ODPH. say, it could, it
1: could have been like a one-off or a couple issues thing, but not like an overarching f- uh storyline
0: no maybe not and like obviously wherever they're going to go with this is going to be really kind of interesting to see if he's going to get involved and what direction that could be so i mean i'm excited for it but anytime you're dealing with super Superboy and cadmus and that whole fun mm-hmm. fun universe it could get a little messy a little bit a little bit so we'll have, kind of have to wait and see about that and then throughout the trailer we do see some stranger confront uh Uh, Starfire played by Anna Diop who is amazing on the show obviously my favorite actress on the show actor period she is the character to watch on the show and brought so much to the role of Starfire. And as we see, somebody, it appears somebody from her planet of Tamaran has now come to Earth to take her back.
1: Let's say they do refer to her as
0: Princess and not Starfire. Right. So there's going to be some ties into that, so I'm really interested to see where they go with this. Let's say, which likely means her sister probably isn't far behind. Yeah, I would have to imagine. Oh, we, boy. We haven't, we haven't heard anything about casting for that yet, but I or would even that keeping am- that under wraps if I that's w- happened. I would imagine that. And then as you kind of see, you do see some live-action shots with Wonder Girl using the Lasso of Truth. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's kind of a very cool thing, and yeah. I mean, they have the little it's fun, a fun nod. Yeah, it's a little fun nod, and you kind of see the team is starting to work together. There's different action shots of different time periods, but it's it feels like it's present, right? Like, like that's the sense I, I get from it. That you see like Hawk and Dove working together with with uh, Robin, and you really kind of get the sense, okay, something's going on. Mm-hmm. And then they do flash to a villain, and I will admit, the first time I saw this trailer, I was like, "Who is this?" Yeah, and it's Doctor Light, mm-hmm. played by Michael Mosley. I did not recognize him. No. Did not. Um, I'm not shaming it. I just didn't. I could not recognize who the character was. So, had to do a little searching for that. And it's going to be interesting to see what he's bringing to the table for this. And then, like I say, we have more deathstroke throughout the trailer.
1: You can never have enough deathstroke.
0: No, definitely not. And we definitely see his children are going to be involved this year. Well oh boy. Uh, Chella Man is playing Jericho. Chelsea Zhang is playing Rose Wilson, a.k.a. the Ravenger, or Ravager. So obviously when you're tying in that much to the team and all those characters have so much history in the comics too. Uh It's a really fun mix from past teams to current teams to not the one that's currently in the books now, but you do have that sense of just the, you know, real, I would say infamous characters with the Titans lore. Right. They're involved. And I do like the mix and match. Like for me, I really think it kind of connects a little bit. So when it ends with the trailer, you can hear somebody saying with Destro coming back, Robin Dick Grayson now needs to become Batman. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that, Pat? I mean,
1: yeah, maybe. It's hard to it's hard to say just because the only time, at least to my knowledge, that Batman has ever fully passed on the suit was to Terry McGinnis and Batman Beyond. But I kind of got to wait and see what's going on with season two to, the, to go, oh, you need to be Batman. Like, okay, why is Batman not going to be able to be Batman anymore? Like, what's the story here?
0: I would almost wonder if they would actually kill off Bruce Wayne oh boy. and force the issue like Duststroke finally did that. Well so will they
1: Will they do a kill off like in uh the Dark Knight rises or whatever it was, uh Dark Knight Returns, where he oh, he's dead, but he's not really dead, he's just secretly underground.
0: I would imagine so. Like you mean you're not gonna kill off Batman. It's, you can't on. kill off Bruce Wayne. Come on now. But overall, though, Pat, I know that you have not seen season one after seeing season two trailer. Are you more amped up to maybe give this a shot and kind of get caught up?
1: Yeah, it's still kind of the same. Like, it is what it is and it's cool, but not really on my radar all that much.
0: That's a fair take. I mean, for me, I'm excited because, like I say, I I have read many Titans comics throughout the years. And like I say, I love the older stuff. The newer stuff is good too. I don't want to, you know, t- sound like I'm taking a shot. Obviously, the Damian Wayne led team, I'm not really into. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact they're tie into when the new Teen Titans were like the team, right? And you know that how well that book is done, and just when you start digging into stories like who is Donna Troy and the Judas contract, and you start going into that realm, that's when like Titans really hits, and I thought they were hitting on all cylinders. Right. I sense though when I'm reading or watching this trailer rather. This is the kind of vibe that you're going to get. You're going to get some of those classic Titans stories involved. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to see how they're going to pull this off. Right. Like, that's what I really want to see. Because obviously, this is the first time that we're going to see a second season involved, which is weird to say. Mm -hmm. But it's really going to be interesting to see that, okay, can a show on the DC Universe sustain and have multiple seasons? Right. I mean, for me, Doom Patrol coming back is a smart move, so I'm oh, all right, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. But for Titans, especially, they announced it right at Comic Con last year that hey, we are a greenlit season two before the show even right, came out. Right. So obviously, the expectations were there. Overall, you know, season one of Titans was very good. Definitely tied into a lot of the past history of Titans, mm-hmm. mixing it though, kind of modernizing a bit. And the Nuclear Family was one of the best villain teams. I have seen in a while. I could not stop like I shouldn't have been laughing as much as I was, but they were just a fun team to pair them up against. Because the one thing about this show is it is more dark and gritty than what you've seen per se into the comics. Mm-hmm. That it does have that tone. I think at one point I said it was a lot of mix of like extreme comics. Um, you know, during the time when like it's very violent, it's very in your face. It's you know, no punches pulled. It works for Titans once you kind of get into the story because once they let the characters really grow, that's when it gets fun. Mm -hmm. And I fully suspect this season they're going to do that because, I mean, when they're tying in so much of what the books were and especially from, like I said, the Wolfman Perez run, this is like what my my show is that I want to see. Sure. And this is why I'm super excited to see it. So that being said, Titans kicks off this Friday as we are recording, September 6th on the DC Universe streaming service. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on Titans? Have you seen the trailer? Do you love it? Do you hate it? And why? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And, Pad, why don't you let me kick off the one-shots for once. Oh, sure. Because I want to jump right into it. It is House of X. Mm -hmm. Now, we've been breaking down the entire series of the X-Men. And this one was a little shorter of a read, but it does make sense, though. Yes. Because this kind of felt like a actual X-Men comic. Like I know Jonathan Hickman has been building this multi-layered story, Mm -hmm. top to bottom. And obviously, this is dealing with the effects of Xavier, who has now heard the future from William McTaggart, and the crazy storyline going on with her, that he is now sent in uh, Cyclops and company to go destroy the master mold uh, plant there that is making the machine out in space.
1: And out in, like, the short orbit of the sun
0: yes because now they finally have the blueprint of how to stop nimrod from being created
1: which we got to give you your due you did predict uh when we reviewed the powers of x uh last powers of x issue that you thought the next house of x issue would deal with them sending moira back in time with the plans and origin story of of uh, nimrod that that was what the next issue was going to be and lo and behold that's what it
0: is thank you sir i appreciate the nod so this one though was pretty straightforward it was the team going into orcas Uh, base and just really attacking and really kind of I don't want to say they felt like this was a suicide mission I mean for all
1: intents and purposes it is because it wasn't just you know uh, Professor X and Magneto going hey Scott take you know jubilee and rogue and gambit and storm and and you know whoever else and and go do this it was hey get a team together but like you got to get a team together that is willing to possibly die
0: right and cyclops obviously knows the the mission at hand and Mm -hmm. he has been dedicated to xavier's dream whatever version it is since day one yeah and that's not wavering on this so obviously he recruits a team of wolverine marvel girl m nightcrawler and uh uh Archangel, mm-hmm. and they take off into space to go stop this. Yeah. And the weird thing, too, which I did not realize, I had to actually do a double read of this. Okay, Kuroka is where?
1: Uh, I can't say I remember. It's on the moon. Ooh, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, if if I remember previous issues of uh, the Jonathan Hickman's run, it's wherever they need it to be. Right. Like which if, at that point in time might be the moon.
0: Yeah, which is crazy how they're tying in that whole flower thing that they're all planting. Like It almost seems like they can use that as wherever they want to go for their base. Right. That's kind of the sense I'm getting. Well, yeah,
1: because if I remember, I want to say it was the first House of X issue. I can't exactly remember which one, um, but it was the one where Magneto was meeting with the world uh country leaders, leaders. and and he, though he was kind of going through what ev- what all Crocola could do and one of them that really raised the hair on a lot of their necks was that you know oh we need to be in New Zealand because we heard it's a nice sunny day and we feel like having a picnic oh let's go to New Zealand oh what's that there's an issue going on over over in uh, Cairo Egypt oh let's just pop over and take care of that no flying no n- necessary we'll just teleport right there
0: right so at this stage i mean it's just kind of really crazy that i mean how you know st- Multi-layered this whole plan is. Mm-hmm. Xavier has, like, the fact that he can do jumping around like that. And even so, you see the team go off in the space, and they attack the Orcus place. And then what happens, though? They have their ship blown up. Yeah. So they're essentially stranded. As they're attacking this base, they have no way out.
1: Right. And and, it's, and the crew that's running the base is very surprised that they're showing up because, you know, I, I get the feeling that there's supposed to be some sort of, like, artificial intelligence or some form of sentience on this ship that should be able to detect things and predict things and know when things are going to come. But they come out of the blind spot or the other side of the sun so that they don't see them, and they use the sun's gravity to slingshot around it to kind of go, hey, surprise.
0: Right. And the whole mission, too, is to push the whole space station Mm -hmm. you know, directly into the sun to get everything so there's no chance of any evidence coming back to Earth. Right. So now without a ship, they are stranded. Mm Mm-hmm. And where this is going to lead into for next issue, I can't wait. Like, oh, it's going to be wild. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, we didn't even touched upon the whole Emma Frost being the lawyer for Sabretooth. Uh, that's, that was weird. That was awkward and weird and funny. And I just was like, okay, I'm just going to roll with this yeah. because I, I'm literally trying to comprehend She, this she
1: walked me. into that room when they were ready to like, because, th- and that was the other weird thing is they have a 10 strike roll yeah. for mutants, which I'm like, all right, isn't that kind of one too many? But eh, who am I? But she just walks in there, and I'm like, oh, and I kind of like sat up as I'm reading the issue, and I go, oh, this is going to get real interesting real fast.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, overall, though, the issue was absolutely crazy, mm-hmm. and to say the least. And now it's like wherever it's going to go. I mean, I believe this is the week they're going back-to-back with House. Yeah. So the next issue is coming out this week at your local comic shops. Go pick it up because it is some of the best work in the X-Men universe that you have seen mm-hmm. in a very, very, very long time. So. Yep. I highly recommend it. Definitely go check it. And what else can you really say from there? Yep. Pad, take us with, home with some one shots. Sure. Got a couple things to talk about. First of one, first of which
1: being near and dear to my heart. Some Kingdom Hearts news. Oh boy. Uh, no, it's not the next game for Kingdom Hearts. I get a, I get the feeling it's going to be a little while before we find out anything about that. If well, not if, if when they do another one. No, it's some uh, DLC related news in the first ever. Kingdom Hearts DLC, because the thing uh, you might be going, wait a minute, first ever DLC for Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, I was going to say, what? The series is 17 years old, how is it the first ever DLC? Well, folks, uh, the first set of games came out on the PlayStation 2, Uh, then you had some on uh, handheld consoles, such as the uh, Nintendo DS and the Game Boy uh, Advance, and such, and anything that came out on PlayStation 3 was just kind of HD remasters. And and yes, I know there were final mixes or or different versions added in with bonus stuff added in, but that's not really DLC. No, we're getting some DLC. Uh, The the Kingdom Hearts Facebook account posted uh, one week to go. This time next week. Now, this was posted on Monday. So uh, on Monday, they they will be releasing a brand new trailer for the re- mind dlc that's coming out now nothing is quite known about if it's free i know uh nomura the games director had kind of talked about it and nothing's really been said if if it's going to be free or you might have to pay a fee for it but if i read right it sounds like the dlc will be uh involving some of the characters, because there's a big battle at the end of the game where it's like all the major characters from over the series kind of show up and they start fighting. If I read right, it sounds like that it's going to you're going to be able to fight that battle from their point of view is not Sora, the main character. So that'll be something interesting to see. We'll get full details, I'm sure, next week when the trailer releases. OK. Yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, switching gears, we've got some casting news because J- we got some casting news for James Gunn's upcoming film, The Suicide Squad. Oh, boy. Now, this is this cast is already bonkers insane because uh, we've got, of course, got James Gunn writing and directing Uh, Margot Robbie will be playing Harley Quinn. Uh, Reportedly, Taika Waititi is uh, in talks to play a character in the film. Joel Kinnaman is in the film. Idris Elba, Nathan Fillion, Jai Courtney, uh, Viola Dalis. Viola Davis, John Cena's rumored to be in this movie. I mean, the the cast is absolutely insane. I mean, you've got characters like Polka Dot Man and King Shark supposedly in this film. I mean, Captain Boomerang might be showing up in this film. It just sounds like, you know, James Gunn is pulling on all the stops for this film.
0: Yeah, this is just absolutely wild. Like, everybody he's adding, and you're trying to remember, like, the casting involved. Mm -hmm. Like, how absolutely nuts is this, like, for characters? Oh, yeah. Because the Suicide Squad, obviously, the, the film version with Will Smith as the lead is... A little more grittier than what we're expecting on this. Like this one, the comic is so depressing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the fact that James Gunn is doing this and so many characters involved, there's going to be like a massive body count
1: that I'm not even going to be able to comprehend. I mean, uh, I know Dave Batista's thrown his name out there as as wanting to work with Gunn because he loves working with James Gunn. You know, yet to see if that's happening. But no, uh, as we uh, record today, Deadline.com is reporting that Doctor Who, former Doctor Who himself, Peter Capaldi is joining the Suicide Squad film as a yet-to-be-announced character. Get out. Yeah, which is interesting, and people kind of figure, because he was at a comic convention over the weekend and was doing an interview, and 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 people were asking, oh, what's the next film you're going to be working on? What are you, going to, what are you working on next? And he's like, well, I'm working on a fairly big project, but I can't talk about it yet. Ah, here we go. We know what it is now. Uh, any ideas who he might play?
0: Okay. I'm going to just try guessing, because okay. the thing about this is... Gunn has not like tipped his cap no about characters. I mean, well, he's got polka dot man and supposedly I yeah. mean what Peacemaker is supposed to be John Cena or yeah. allegedly. I mean, he is really scraping through the DCU. I mm-hmm. mean for Capaldi, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say the Mad Hatter. Okay. From Batman lore, okay. Um,
1: I, you know, if they do the Mad Hatter, it'd be fun if they cast uh, Jenna Coleman as Alice. Just, oh, just a fun Doctor Who
0: Not. Oh my God, can you imagine? This? That'd be you, so good. Just and they gotta have a camera shot of them by a blue uh, telephone booth. <laughs> it doesn't have to say anything on it. Even no. Though, even though if it said Bad Wolf, it'd be pretty dope.
1: Oh, that'd be good. Um, who you get? Uh, I'm gonna go with Simon. I mean, I've I know I've seen that thrown out there a couple places. Simon, would be interesting. That would be. <sighs> I mean, that would fit up the
0: wheelbarrow. Uh, Simon is a white Martian, I believe, from from the Martian Manhunter lore, Mm -hmm. uh, Rogues Gallery. So, yeah, I mean, that would be something wild. Yeah. I mean, to say the least.
1: Yeah, and then there's some... This one's more of a rumor than anything. Uh, There are rumors floating about that Saturday Night Live's Pete Davidson is in rumors or in discussions to be starring in the film as well.
0: (laughs) I have no idea who. Neither do I. It'll be wild, though. (sighs) I mean, who... (laughs) <laughs> Who could you cast as him? I, mean, I have no idea, but it's Gunn. He'll, I mean, he'll yeah, make it work. Oh, he'll make it work. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, uh, Gunn has got the entire DCU playbook yeah. to mess around with. Oh, yeah. And, he, and, I, and
1: given his success with, with Guardians of the Galaxy, I very much get the sense that, you know, Warner Brothers DC is just going to go to him and go, all right. Just write us a check on how much you need and we'll pay you for it.
0: I absolutely love Pete Davidson. So you know what, like him on this film is gonna be it's gonna be hysterical. Like can, I don't
1: Can you imagine if, if John Cena does end up being in this movie and Dave Batista ends up being in this movie? Can we get a scene where it's Pete Davidson, John Cena and Dave Batista in a room together?
0: I need this to happen. Oh, it'd be so good. I mean, have they even rumored about who who Batista was playing? Because I know it was John Cena was supposed to be rumored about Peacemaker, right?
1: Yeah. Supposedly, John Cena might be playing Peacemaker if he's in the film. Uh, The Dave Batista thing, I know he's thrown his name out there as wanting to be in the film, but I haven't seen anything firm or even like rumored about
0: him. I'm going to throw this dream casting out there. Okay. I need Dave Batista as Solomon Grundy. Oh, my God. I need this. Oh, my God. I need this to happen. That'd be perfect. Somebody please tweet this to James Gunn. Oh, that's up his alley. Oh my God! Yes, that'd be so good. Yeah, because I don't. Then Pete Davis Pete Davis could be like, um, what's his name? Or Rob Delaney that was in, uh, Deadpool two. Oh, just just be an average Average guy. Joe, average guy.
1: He answered it. He answered a wanted
0: ad. Oh, Pete Davidson's awesome. Or
1: no, you know what? He's just an he's just an average, pr- uh, prison inmate that like. Oh, we need one more body. Well, let's just get this guy.
0: Yeah. That would be perfect. Oh. I, I, this movie, I will tell you what, they're really loading up the casting on it. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting it to just be outright hysterical. Oh, it's so be wild. Yeah. I can't wait for this.
1: Switching to some Netflix uh, news, Ken, when it comes to streaming television series, how do you prefer to watch the, the series all at once
0: or on a weekly basis? You know, it's a tough call. Um, I'll be honest. I really liked when I could binge. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, it worked out a lot better, but I've grown in a custom, like, for example, For the DC Universe. Sure. All their shows are one week. Yep. And certain shows you can binge watch, like Titans. Yeah. Certain ones you can't, like Doom Patrol. Sure. I recommend it. Watch Doom Patrol, but you need to space it out, because you watch them all together, your head will explode. Yeah. Yeah. So um so I'll say I like Binge.
1: yeah so of course Netflix currently uh, releases everything all at once Hulu does theirs on a weekly basis DC Universe does theirs either all like you said all at once or on a weekly basis we know uh, Disney plus is going to do theirs on a weekly basis uh, Netflix might be switching up its release uh, method uh, now nothing's firm nothing's you know concrete but it's just kind of some reading of the tea leaves uh, as complex.com wrote an article uh, basically how uh, you may have heard of and maybe have even seen a show called The Great British Baking Show. Never seen it myself, but I've heard of it. Heard about it. Heard about it. Uh, it's got uh, seven episodes coming out in its new season, uh, and it is going to be on a weekly basis, not all at once and now I know I've read the online some people aren't very happy about it because they love the show and it's a great show and they want to watch it all at once uh, you know so you got that going on and then Netflix has got a new show coming out called Rhythm and Flow think of like American Idol or uh, The Voice but for rap and hip-hop okay uh, it's going to feature T.I. Cardi B and Chance the Rapper as judges and it, uh, the rap competition show will be released in groups every week. The first four episodes will drop on October 9th and then the five through seven episodes will air on October 16th and the season will wrap with episodes eight through 10 on October 23rd uh, and it, it, it aims to find the next big hip-hop artist with the help of uh, TI Chance and Cardi B. So you got that going now nothing really set in stone but for me personally I'm more and more leaning towards the I like things on a weekly basis because while once upon a time I could very easily, you know, show dropped and binge the whole thing in a day or slightly over a day, it's getting a little harder to do that these days. I mean, life gets in the way and harder to stay up and, and watch the whole thing at night and all that. So, I mean, if Netflix ends up switching to the weekly thing, I won't be mad about it. I
0: know a lot of people will, but I'm going to complain about it. Yeah. for You know, for four episodes, that's not bad. Yeah. I, can't, I can't really get mad about that like for episodes like i mean when they had daredevil and punisher and all those which are 11 plus episodes, like that i don't mind binging because i usually would watch about four or five in a night and then you know obviously catch up the rest when i could catch up Mm -hmm. so if they're if they're kind of packaging like that i'm not i'm not that upset about that right you know it kind of gives you more incentive to click back just the only thing is like if you get hooked on a on a shorter series like stranger things yeah then I would say, no, put them all out at once because when your episodes are what? I believe the season was like eight or nine. So yeah, it's roughly shorter, but it's enough you can get through in a day or like Voltron would be mm-hmm. another example. That's another quick one you can fly through. Right. Then I would say, okay, put them all together at once. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they're breaking that up because yeah. if that's going to be the new trend for streaming. Yeah. I mean, has Disney Plus addressed this at all? Or are they going to say dump everything, or they're doing? They're
1: doing theirs on a weekly basis. Weekly basis. Weekly That's right. Basis. All right.
0: Yep. Yeah, we did mention that. Forgot yeah. about that.
1: Yep. Uh, switching to the last one. Uh, some video game news. This one came out of left field for me. Uh, video game company is rising from the ashes like a phoenix, being one Telltale
0: Games. Real? Wait, wait, they're coming back.
1: Well. kind of sort of kind of sort of so of course everyone might remember telltale games as the ones who kind of created their own genre in video games in that it was a essentially a choose your own video game where they had major franchises like the walking dead and game of thrones and guardians of the galaxy and uh, Batman and Minecraft and and their own series, uh, The Wolf Among Us, and and just a lot of great games. But last year, they unfortunately due to some financial issues and, and lack of cash, uh, went out of business. They of course it was founded in 2004 by former Lucas Arts developers Kevin Brunner, Dan Connors, and Troy uh, Melander. Uh, news came out last week that uh, it is being revived. Uh, by it, it's after its assets were purchased by a company called LCG Entertainment, uh, okay. the new company. This according to Polygon.com. The new company will sell some of Telltale's back catalog and will work on new games based on a t- uh, few Telltale associated properties as well as new licenses. Uh, the new Telltale is headed up by Jamie Audely Ad- and Brian Waddle. Otley said that uh, some workers from the original Telltale games will be offered freelance roles, with full time positions possible in the future. So that's kind of like one red flag. Is all right, we're going to bring some of you back, but it's going to be on a freelance uh, freelance basis. Now they don't have. Now that's kind of the, the interesting thing is they're going to make back catalogs available. Not quite sure how that's going to work because uh, they have the they have the licenses uh, to the Wolf Among Us and Batman games. Uh, they don't have. Uh, they said, uh, "quote We're still evaluating, but we definitely want." to continue some of the stories uh it looks like they don't have the walking dead license because that went to skybound entertainment who finished up the last season of the walking dead video game okay uh and then previous licenses such as borderlands uh which is owned by uh 2k games and uh gearbox software and then you got game of thrones from hbo uh guardians of the galaxy from marvel and then minecraft which is uh the company that makes minecraft is owned by microsoft nobody's quite sure what the licenses are on those they might have even expired so what that means for getting back catalogs of telltale games who knows Mm -hmm. but it's it's one of those interesting things that you know a video game company because the thing of it is is Looking back on it, yeah, they were great games. Like, I, you know, for me, season one of The Walking Dead was just revolutionary in that it was essentially, like, I remember, remember playing that and just going, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And I remember playing, uh, so I didn't get through the whole thing, but uh, parts of season one of Game of Thrones. And I remember his friend watching me play going, wait, are you watching a movie or playing a game?
0: Yeah, I mean, the Telltale games are always great. And, like, for me, The Walking Dead ones were phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. why I don't understand for the life of me how Lee and Clementine did not get introduced into the comics. Yeah. I mean, it's always – maybe that's how Kirkman's going to come back and write them. Maybe. Who who knows? Maybe. But how they did those books – or those games, rather – is just really cool. That, I mean, it's like the choose-your-own-adventures, mm-hmm. and I really love that aspect of it because there was something you could do. And like, for, I know for the example, like Walking Dead, you did in episode two, yeah, and it tied into the finale, right? And
1: that was that was one of the few games where, like, a lot of times I play games, and if it gives you a choice to do something, it's it's relatively easy. It's like, oh, I'll just do this. But there was a lot of times where, like, I'm sitting there, and and they would present you like you can do option A, or you move your your cursor and go over to option B, and it's you're seeing like, and they give you a timer, like you can't sit there for minutes and minutes and minutes on end, like morally thinking about this and going, Hmm, what am I going to do? What are going to be the ramifications? Like, no, they give you like 30 seconds to a minute to decide this. And you're sitting there going, Oh my God, what am I going to pick? It, it's just one of those wild things, but I think really kind of the they 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 really did revolutionize things with their episodic model. But I think they you know it's almost like the Icarus they flew too close to the sun. Where you know they put up Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and, and Guardians of the Galaxy and and all these other big name properties a little too fast. Not saying you shouldn't reach for those those stars and and shoot for the moon, but yeah, maybe not so fast.
0: yeah. it's just one of those situations where maybe too much too soon, but if they're coming back, maybe the you know the ship is rewritten. Yeah. and you know where they go from here is anybody's guess?
1: Yeah, no, it's gonna be one of those interesting things to keep your eye out on,
0: yeah, definitely. So as closing the show, the promo you heard was our buddies over at the Online Warriors Podcast. You can find them at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com. They do a podcast where they talk everything, gaming, movies, entertainment, and sports. Awesome podcast. Definitely check them out. Shout out to those guys. Our promo is going to be featured on their episode next week. So check them out. And as we're going into shout outs, we have to shout out where we're going to be coming up next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, September 28th, September 29th, Robocon We are going to be doing our panels on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. We're going to be doing the Marvel MCU panel or our version of it, so to speak, uh, with Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, oh formerly boy. of coming, yeah, so that would be definitely worth the ad- price of admission alone, and right after us at noon is our 8122 production friends. Hashtag 607 Podcast will be in the building, 3FN, and Mike C from Horror Zone 607 oh uh-huh. are going to be doing a panel on Saturday as well. Sunday, 11 a.m. is the podcast workshop that Mike, Rich, and myself will be running, and then 2 o'clock I'm crashing the DC TV Universe panel. Oh, boy. So stay tuned for that, folks, because that's a breaking news, and now I'm all information on Robocon, RoberCon.org. But the night before, we cannot, cannot, cannot forget to talk about because there is some late-breaking information on that. Too. Okay. Now, our good friends over at Floodlands, shout-out to Jimmy Gazzik, Tom, and Billy, and Nick. They have put together a little show to kind of send us off on con season because we're going to be taking off after RoberCon doing a little traveling. The whole Hashtag 607 podcast group is going to be taking off. So Friday night, September 27th, at Galaxy Brewing Company – 41 Court Street, Binghamton, New York. They're having the con season kickoff 2019. Oh, boy. So for all the hashtag 607 podcast groups, Uh, A couple of our favorite bands are giving us a little show to send us off. So Floodlands, shout at the robots, so shout out to those guys too. They always are very supportive of the Hashtag 607 Podcast movement. They're having the show with two other bands, and one was just named as we were recording. Okay, Grownups is going to be joining the bills. So it's Grownups, Shout at the Robots, and Floodlands, a $5 cover, 21 and over to get in. So definitely stay tuned to the Hashtag 607 Podcast Network for more information on that. And then the big news for us is The following week, October 3rd through 6th, we are officially locked and loaded in for New York Comic Con. Oh, boy. Badges have arrived. They are getting checked in, and we cannot wait to get down there, talking to a couple other podcasts there. So Wizard Podcast is going to be down there. We're definitely bumping into them. If you're going to be down there, look for us. We'll be walking around. So pull up and say, hey, uh, cannot wait to get back to the home turf. Yes. I mean, that is something Pat and myself have been how many years now we've been going Mm, three or four years something like that i think uh, this is number seven for me this is number four 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 for you for bra guy it's uh number three and for john john and brian it is number two so the whole odph street team is going to be down there too it's going to be such a fun time new york comic-con is the best Mm -hmm. i cannot go on and on lost in space will be there so i'm a very excited man yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to be doing press down there, too, uh, Brian and myself. So it's going to be a really fun time down there. So I am excited. Yeah. Definitely more to come. So stay tuned to Hour.com for more information on that. And as soon as we figure out what we're doing, we're definitely going to be posting it on our, all our social media. And, I mean, shout out to 8122Productions, too. They're taking off for Sci-Fi and Horror Fest the f- same week up in Oneana. So definitely check them out and ScareCon as well. All that information is on 8122Productions.com. Stay tuned for that, and obviously stay tuned to OchoDuroParlayHour.com for more information on what the whole Hashtag six 7 podcast group is doing, because we have a very busy big two months coming. Yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. The music you heard on this episode is that of Crimson Brethren. Crimson Brethren is now Floodlands. We are going to be having a special album release episode for them in the upcoming weeks. Ooh. Their album, CSRN, is coming out September 21st, so Jimmy and Tom is going to be coming into the studio and talking about that, playing the new music. In fact, we might be switching up the theme music for this show. Ooh. So stay tuned for that, because... Is going to be some interesting discussion going on about that, but we're leaning that. So definitely let us know. Hit us up on the hashtag if you want us to switch up the theme or not. We are going to have a lot to discuss on that episode, and we have a lot to discuss as always here on the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Because mm-hmm. that's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, thank you, thank you. I am your host Kenem. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>